Welcome once again to Cult Following, your source right here in Tempe, Phoenix Metro, Arizona area for fun, unusual, obscure, and all sorts of off-the-wall discussion of cult media in all forms, from celluloid to VHS to Betamax and Laserdisc. Anywhere in between, Cult Following is here to give you our opinion on the world of film. I'm one of your three hosts for this lovely edition, Victor Marino, along with Herbie Nelson, and Joshua T. Ruth, Joshua T. Betamax, Booyah, as we explore on this, our podcast, to you, our fans. If you like what we're slinging, find us on iTunes at Following. We're always looking for uh, new uh, new comments on our website at cultfollowing.co. And if you happen to live in the Tempe, Arizona area, well, heck, come down to one of our repertory screenings on uh, July 15th. We've got the 35th anniversary of Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. And June 24th, we've got the Fifth Element 20th anniversary. Tickets for those at cultclassicsaz.com and at all Valley Z Records locations. So... This is just going to be one of our fun stream of consciousness episodes, in a way. We don't know where we're going. We don't know. It's like we're on a lost highway here, folks. Boom. (laughs) Lynch lynch reference, which I still have not seen the new Twin Peaks, and I totally need to get on that. Oh, my God. Watch it. Like, binge it, and then we're just going to, like, let's talk about it, man. Yeah, I'm going to have to wait till it comes out. I I just... We were actually kind of talking about that on the show about... or, Or before we started the show was that... Watching stuff on television for me is really hard. I want to binge it. I, it's now like it's ruined basically. Yeah. Ever since it, the dawn of Netflix streaming and everything else, I just can't do. I, I don't think I can do an episode at a time of anything anymore. How cool is it that, like, at the end of this thing, you're going to have basically an 18 hour long David Lynch movie that, at least so far, is tremendous that you're just going to be able to binge? You know, that's nice. awesome. It's going to be sweet. Now, I'm excited about it, but, you know. Like some damn fine coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and then in July, you know, we've got Game of Thrones coming back, too. Oh, my gosh. So, Which it, apparently was going to be really, really short. Now they're like, it's going to be really, really long. Like, they keep changing it. Like, yeah, right. oh, we're going to keep filming. I'll take Because people longer. are pissed. I'll so take longer. I don't even and know. And we want to make money. You know. That's, that's what it's all about, folks. <laughs> money. No, it's just about keeping the fans happy. What do you mean? Yeah. Yeah, they don't care about Customers money. rule everything around me. <laughs> dollar, dollar bill, y'all. That was my Wu-Tang reference. That's... Well, the Game of Thrones, they got to keep it going because it's basically, we keep killing everybody, so they only have a, a short convention shelf life for appearances, <laughs> so we got to get them out and going here before we uh, take them out, pretty much. That's the way I view it. It's kind of exactly. like Walking Dead and a few of the other ones. They're pretty much, yeah, because we'll forget about you in a year. Right. That reminds me of the first time I ever went to Comic-Con. You know, mm-hmm. SDCC, my first year ever, uh, was the first year they ever did a Game of Thrones panel, okay, because it was like right when it came out. And, uh, you know, I'd never, I'd, my first time ever at SDCC, right? So I waited in line for four hours, I believe. Um, and I'm in this line for four hours hoping I'm going to get into this thing. And, of course, like, it's getting closer and closer to the time of the thing starting, and I'm like, I'm not getting into this thing. So I waited for four and a half hours in a line to not get into that panel whatsoever, um, and I would have been able to see the characters before everybody was dead. Yeah, that's the whole thing about San Diego Comic Con. It's 
it's one of those weird if if you've never gone i don't know if you should even bother trying to start going now because it's so hard yeah but basically this is a convention where you go to and most of the things you will be doing this convention is spending time in line which i wouldn't even mind the waiting in line thing because that's you know look that's part of it and especially at that time that was i just had a nintendo 3ds right which has that the street pass thing and that was like oh my gosh that was shangri-la because i was getting so many street passes and just sitting there playing and that was cool and talking to other geeks um, but I still would have rather spent that four and a half hours doing something that actually was going to bear fruit. So I learned a very important lesson that very first Comic Con, which is that I don't wait in lines like that. Like if anything has a line that's over four hours, it's simply not worth it. Yeah. Um, and I started to only go to ones that had lines that were like a 20 minute long line and just started wandering in the panels and found some really, really cool panels. Yeah, the way. panels are cool. I, I could say like, I mean, if you if you go to Comic Con to like for the big movies you're going to end up at Hall H, which most of the time, if there's some huge super movie, you have to show up there the night before and camp out the entire night, which is total bullshit. But that's the life of going to a Hall H panel. And I did, I did, I did it. I'm never going to do it again. The last time I did it was, uh, the year that event, the first Avengers movie was having their big panel. Mm -hmm. And during that pan, during that, hall h day because most people show up and never leave oh yeah um some asshole stabbed somebody else in the eye with a with a pencil wow and they wouldn't let us leave they actually repeated the 3d trailers panel uh-huh. and it was basically like if you want you, you can't leave if you leave you can't come back i'm like fuck it i figured a way out of there during the cowboys and aliens panel uh-huh. you know because i'd gotten at the beginning of the day, in line at the sales pavilion on the second floor to buy some exclusives, which is another wasting your life in line thing <laughs> to get a lottery ticket to buy something on the uh, on the con floor. Right, and then Victor's on the flip side, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> right, and then the other the other place, it's like most of the TV panels take place at Ballroom Twenty. Yeah. And that's like now that's as bad as Hall H. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, yeah, but that's because TV now is as bad as film i mean in terms of like that yeah i mean i don't know it's one of those things now where um i mean i i'd imagine you have to all i mean besides having like i mean the apps and like a full-blown strategy for everything you really like have to go with people and start working in tandem to do everything it's like yeah you think about that like you know like oh you know save me a seat you have like two seats together like, you have to have somebody that's willing to defend it with their life so you can just go to the bathroom. Buddy system. Yeah, like, there's... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, there is no way, like, to do any of that stuff. I mean, even, like, something smaller, which it's not tiny or anything, like Phoenix Con this year, it's, you know, there's plenty of things. You know, I had to wait. Mm-hmm. Not huge lines for, nothing SDCC-wise, but um, it's still crazy i mean i don't know i uh, we talked about uh last year i think on one of the episodes like um shifting a little bit but it was like i went to halloween horror nights and i was there the full time from like 7 p.m to 2 30 in the morning and i only got to do everyone once wow. like and a couple of them you know i think one i think it was walking dead or american horror story i wasn't super keen on um and I, it wouldn't matter because there's no way to get in. And it's because Universal, is, it's all so far apart. But I mean, even like Disneyland a couple of years ago, I'm like, man, I'm just buying the Fast Pass next time for like almost all these things. I mean, 
I'm I really don't want to put that money out. Yeah. But I'm like, I got to. Because I can't deal with this too. anymore. Like I can't wait this long. Worst like, part about Disneyland and frankly Comic Con, there's no like cell phone signal either, man. It's like so really? Oh yeah. I mean at least I had a hard time um with that. Like you know, I don't know, I'm had sprint, so maybe that says something. Oh but, maybe. Um, but but it was like I mean, I'm sitting there waiting in line this whole time. And again, Disneyland was worse. Again, at Comic Con I had my three D S, so whatever. But um Disneyland, it's like I'm like, oh my gosh like i can't get any cell signal at all and i'm just waiting in line and i can't even do anything well at least with disneyland you can bring food and drink i couldn't even bring a ball of water to universal studios and i'm like wow yeah i'm not going to harry potter i'm not gonna pay for the butter beer but i didn't end up paying for like a three dollar sprite and i'm like well i guess this is pretty much gas station prices at least i can live with that yeah but i mean i was just so burnt like on doing it because i mean it was whatever 70 bucks for the thing and then another 20 for parking so that's 90 bucks for eight hours entertainment if i wanted to fast pass it i think it was 170 yeah Yeah, i mean i don't think disneyland even has the pay extra to get on things maybe that might just be universal studio oh i don't know anymore i yeah it was a couple years ago there there was still no they have fast pass but kirby's saying you pay for them and you don't Oh, no, no, no. no. Well, and the thing oh, with really? Disneyland is, is you could always take your ticket to get fast pass. And yeah. that's one you're talking about. But they used to have them. I know for a, a long time Disneyland Wait, did. Wait, you don't have to pay for fast pass? No. Well, free. no, no. You pay. You, like, you like, you go to the, like, the ride and there's like a thing where you put in, like, your ticket and then it dang it it's it's like waiting in line at like the mvd or something or dmv for yeah it just tells you what time folks. to come back it's just yeah. last time i went to disneyland like i ignored the fast pass things because i thought you had to pay for no. them. yeah no, no no he's right actually dang but it's it. um they used to like way back in the day because most people did but it's a it's a pretty egalitarian system right but i was shocked like i said with some stuff it just wasn't worth it to me the last time but one of the ones that i remember riding like 30 times was uh big thunder mountain railroad big thunder mountain railroad it's so awesome i'm like why why wait for an another hour and a half Uh for splash mountain when i'm not even that excited older one yeah it doesn't have animatronics right so yeah there's not that bad of a line um but yes since we're on the the subject of lines um i think they need uh, more animatronics (laughs) is that what you're trying to say no if they did (laughs) then there'd be a line so you know we don't want that we you know it's just like that's the that's the whole trick of it um oh my gosh like i i really kind of want to tell you guys the disneyland story actually because we're talking about big thunder mountain railroad um okay i'm gonna give you the abbreviated version because this is just too funny okay so we go to disneyland one time my buddy he's there he starts getting really sick okay Okay. like i mean like you know kind of like was feeling fine we went to eat at the blue bayou Uh and um he started to get like all nauseous afterwards like maybe some bad seafood or something and um so you know we're like well do you you know do we need to go he's like no i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine and so we're like okay so let's let's go ride some more rides then he's like yeah let's go let's do it and he's like one of those guys is always trying to rally right yeah um and so we go to the big thunder mountain railroad okay and we ride that and we get on and everything's fine and then we see him in the cars in front of us right because it's all open and we see like halfway through the ride he just slumps down and like he's just flopping around left to right like as we're going through all these turns and everything and he's just like totally passed out and like oh my gosh our friend has passed out and like the girl he was there with was like she's freaking out she's like what do i do i can't wake him up but we're like in the middle of big thunder mountain railroad yeah and so so we uh we get off of there and like all of a sudden like i mean 
they must have had cameras on them or something because we didn't have to report anything. Like, I swear to God, walls opened up in the rocks of Big Thunder Mountain Railroad and Disney nurses came out of the walls. And they, they seriously, like, had, like, these little, like, mouse symbols with, like, a little, like, red cross on it. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, I'm not even kidding. And it's, like, nighttime. And this is, like, a very, very surreal situation. And they, like, load him up onto a wheelchair and they, you know, they're wheeling him, you know, down the main, main thoroughfare because I guess like the main hospital thing is near the main entrance, right? Yeah. So we're going down the main thoroughfare. We're going down Main Street, USA. This is right as everything's about to close, right? So everybody's like funneling out and they're like going like super fast, like faster than they really should be in this wheelchair. And he's sitting there like half passed out in this wheelchair and all the friends and everything were running past and everything. And then they hit one of the little indentations in the ground where like the trolley goes and all of a sudden it just stops he goes spilling out onto the pavement onto the ground and he's just like laying face down on the ground like don't touch him don't touch him and so all of us friends are saying we're like what do we do like we're going to get a stretcher we're going to get a stretcher and so there's my friend passed out in the middle of main street usa and there's like of course crowds of crowds of people in a circle all surrounding it and then like they finally come out more like disney paramedics come out load him onto a stretcher they're picking up on a stretcher and i shit you not just as they are and as they're carrying away it's like you start hearing do 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 like thank you for visiting disneyland the happiest place on earth <laughs> and so like as they're wheeling into the ambulance there's like the the would be wish upon a star plane so please tell me that when that circle encroached that japanese tourists are taking picture with oh, his near lifeless body clearly. because that would be the most amazing thing for me <laughs> that was definitely happening um but yeah anyway so it's a super abbreviated version yeah. of the disneyland story uh but no but so e3 is going on this week right this is the first year that they've well for the most part that they've made it public Oh, right. You could buy tickets to it. Yeah. And so what's happened is, um, I guess, like, I'm hearing all these reports of, like, lines. Like, people are waiting in line for six hours to play the Assassin's Creed that comes out later this year. Yeah. You know? And I was just thinking about, like, my God, like, we wait in line so much for so many things. We do. Well, I went to, um, my brother invites me every year to go to PAX, um, because he still lives in Seattle, which is where I'm from. But I um I went with him the the inaugural year of PAX South in San Antonio. And it's the first time I've ever been to one. I mean, I've been to like local gaming conventions and things like Game On, but I'd never been to like a, a real national big one. I mean, it's nothing compared to Prime or East or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But it um I just remember there was a game, a dreadnought. It was a PC, I mean, most a lot of it is PC gaming at uh, PAX. I mean, they have console gaming as well, but PC kind of reigns. Yeah. And I just could not believe we were waiting in line for like three hours. And my brother really wanted to play this game. And I'm like, all right, I'll wait with you. Try it out. Clock goes up seven minutes or something. And then it's like, <laughs> okay, you get in your ship or whatever, your mech. And then it's like, that's it. Like, we literally... I'm like, I, right. no time to learn anything, really. They give you, like, a very brief tutorial. But it's just those kind of experiences, too. It's like, I, I mean, I wouldn't want to sit four hours just to watch a trailer, personally, especially when it's going to be up. It used to be that you had to wait for things. It's kind of like you were saying now. It's, like, open to the public. Mm-hmm. Things used to be, I mean, back in the day, it was you had to wait till a uh, professional news source, like a yeah. journalism. But now that everyone is a journalist yeah uh the air quotes there for those who can't see them 
it, it's <laughs> like it's like the what do you call it like um i i imagine the first few years i mean like of backup batteries and stuff for laptops <laughs> back at you know so that they you could write it and and you know as soon as uh smartphones existed i mean everybody's got everything you know it's just kind of at that uh, point i consider and, like, myself an influencer sir yes there you go <laughs> but it's um i mean like with the the gaming thing though it is shocking though for you know like a pretty much a non-celebrity non um I mean, it's a huge chunk of the entertainment world and business mm-hmm. by, I, I mean, the devotion of people who await. Uh, there were people, they were giving away, I will never forget this, uh, the, the Majora's Mask masks. Oh, there was wow. a queue probably like four or five hours long just to get those. Yeah, and it was I, a free I, giveaway from Nintendo. I would have waited in line yeah, for that. But I mean, that's what I mean. It's, it's the, you know, the, the, but, it, all those types that's, of things that's but, convention culture well no but that's also right that's also i'm gonna sell my swag which i yeah that's what I, that's soon. exactly yeah. what i mean like, yeah and that's and, also nintendo too because then yeah nintendo like, it's a huge difference i'll give you anything i i will like literally people like nintendo fanboys and girls it's just i've never seen i mean literally i will sell you my fucking soul for this amiibo and i'm like oh, yeah. Jesus, is people even still care? And it's not disrespecting on mm-hmm. it. It's just one of those things like you don't realize the magnitude yeah. till you see it online. But then when you're face to face with it, literally, it's like, oh my God, people are, or even like, I mean, BlizzCon, Blizzard has its own convention, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's that huge. Oh, yeah. And I'm not even going to get into the whole esports thing or tournament fighting or any of that stuff. I mean, you know. I have a buddy who went to BlizzCon the first year they ever did it, and he got, like, you know, a pet, right? Because that's what they'll do at BlizzCon, yeah. is you'll get, like, a pet that you can only get by going to BlizzCon. It'll usually be, like, some stuff, stuffed animal they'll sell, and then it actually comes with that pet in the game. And he sold that thing for, like, $800. You wow. Know? I already yeah. saw on the um, Friday the 13th game, I was a Kickstarter backer on it, and the Tom Savini... DLC that his design to the Hell Jason, the Fire oh, Jason, yeah, yeah. started going for like three to five hundred dollars, and yeah. I'm like, okay, I need to get this immediately to sell it because I did get that. I think was my pre-order. So, well, I think the funny thing, I guess, uh, the the other day they did like some patch because the game is ex- apparently very buggy. Oh, extremely buggy. Um, so they did some patch the other day, on, and on the PS4 version, you were briefly able to buy that skin. Oh, and no. then the people who had pre-ordered it started, how dare you sell it? Yeah. It's worth so much on the secondary market. My investment. This is a virtual piece of real estate. Well, oh, yeah. I, 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 you know, I'll, I'll admit that, uh, as much as I hate clickbait and assorted things, I have watched more than a few, gone down the rabbit hole of watching watch mojo type videos and stuff uh-huh. like that. One of the ones they have recently, I mean, if it's something I really know nothing about, it's nice to have a condense. It's like reading a Wikipedia article. Is it accurate? Probably not. <laughs> but at least it gives you a jumping off point. But I recently learned about like in-game purchases, which I always knew. And I knew DLC and all these things yeah. ran extravagant especially from you know a lot of these different worlds but about star citizen yeah but some of these games i've never even heard of and i mean i consider myself reasonably knowledgeable but i mean we're talking about like the the um mmos and stuff like and some of the uh the when i used to be really into the injustice mobile game um for a while they did a thing where like uh you know you can only play so many matches in a row and your guy gets tired but you can 
pay like 50 cents and you can keep playing. Oh, right. So that's what I would do for a bit, you know? And I'm like, yeah, because I want to play this now because I'm trying to kill fucking time now, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but this was, I mean, there's people like in-game purchases. Like, I actually bought this for $6 million. You, Um, like, cash. And it's like... That's, you, that's you, higher than anything I've ever heard. That's yeah, but, crazy. It, but again, it's a game I've never heard of, but right. apparently it's it's super popular. But I didn't even know about the whole uh, the MOBA thing until a few years ago of how huge that was. Well, uh, multi-online battle arena thing. Yeah, oh yeah. But I just, it, all, it all ties back into the same thing, though, of like, kind of like what Victor was saying. It's like, I want to protect my investment. I mean, for <laughs> so many people. Because this applies to, I mean, obviously our, our heart of what we're, you know, more... What we talk about with cinema and stuff. I mean, you talk about like um, I was just seeing we were, um, you know, there's just a lot of stuff where it's like, okay, is it is it worth it? Like, is it really this valuable? Like, yeah, it's hard to determine because obviously the market does. Um, What's interesting about a lot of those games, um, things like that, is that you have actually. um, So, like, this is something I learned. I have a, a friend of mine. Who he uh, he he you know after uh, you know working a long time kind of in in his field he got a very very lucrative job for one of these companies that you've never heard of um, and they're giant and they're kind of like one of these I don't know they seem like this would be like the kind of company that would be like some villainous company in some movie, right? That's like, we have holdings in, um, you know, in, in all these different countries and blah, blah, blah. And they're like worth billions. So he got a very, very lucrative job with this company. And, um, all of these high level executives, they're all crazy in the clash of clans. Um, and that's what they do. So, you know, you've got like all these high level guys and he's not really one of these mobile gamers at all. But the reason that he did this is because this was what everybody else was doing. And so he wanted to be able to play Clash of Clans as a business decision, right? Because this is the new golf course, essentially. And so what you have in those cases is you have a lot of these these whales, essentially, that they spend money in these games because that's what the other rich guys are doing, right? Yeah. You know, right? So they're saying, I'm an executive and I've, and I've spent this much money. And then the other executives, well, I've spent this much money. And it's just fascinating how they get into little spending matches uh, with that kind of stuff. But yeah, probably in that Watch Mojo thing, which Watch Mojo is like, yeah, I totally know what you mean about yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. Watch Mojo. Well, here, I mean, hole. here I had to look it up. The game I was talking in Tropia. Okay. Is the one that was like the six million dollar, but wow! Like, let's see here. Starting at the bottom of number ten is twelve thousand dollars. These are all real amounts. This right. is not in-game currency. Number four is seventy thousand. Yeah. And so you're talking the three, two, and one were like quarter of a million, half a million, and like six million or right. something. Right. So I mean, I'm just hey. At least they didn't have to stand in line to spend that much. That's right. true. There you go. There you go. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, that's, like, one of those things, like, the whole thing about spending time in lines just comes into play when you talk about, like, especially since San Diego Comic-Con is coming up in a couple weeks, Mm -hmm. which, even though, like, only X amount of people are actually able to go, every company in the world does a billion exclusives for it, which the rest of the, like, geek world, especially if you're into movies, ends up fighting over this shit. Yep. online forever because it's like oh i really want that why can't i get that why is that a san diego comic-con exclusive 
and it probably will be for like a year or two until it becomes a regular mm-hmm. thing. But it call comes down to that whole like Veruca Salt. I want it now <laughs> yeah. thing. I still never got the uh, the, the the Jason Voorhees. I was just gonna say thanks for thanks NECA for my <laughs> eight Jason Voorhees. I paid a hundred dollars for it. Now you can buy it for forty bucks. Yeah, exactly. Really I, and appreciate I know it's that. cheaper. Exactly. You're just doing the exact same. Thing. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I I have no problem with it. But it's not because of. My desire to resell, it was what I actually paid for. Because right. anyone who knows me knows how much of a hoarder I am. I don't sell anything. It's, I, I don't, and I don't buy anything for profit. It was, um, what really bothered me most though about it was, is that the, they improved on it. The box opened and played the, oh, the theme. Yeah, right. which yeah. it's, yeah, so your thing is still a senior comic exclusive. It, it is, exclusive. but it's, st- yeah, it's got a At sticker. least they did, they made it a little No, different. I know they did, but I actually thought that was even cooler. So I bought both because I'm a huge, I don't know why Plus, I'm a fan so of cool the 8-bit, eight, why am I such a huge fan of the 8-bit Jason thing? I have no idea. He's but I have so much fucking purple people eater bullshit in my house like from I, him you I know just, the funniest thing is like i could have gone the original one because neca does these sales online before Comic-Con, yeah all oh, right and i stood there on the page watching the numbers go down like do i really want this and like i decided no i didn't and then i could have gone the reissued version any number of dozen times and i never did mm-hmm. and i just realized you know if you don't want something and you know you you shouldn't feel like you have to get it just to stay yeah. up with the you oh no know, and there's no the way to there's no amount you know it's funny you talk about like the virtual golf course kind of idea which right. is a spot on I me mean, it's the whole shelfy kind of thing and there's nothing wrong with it as we're looking at all Victor shelves <laughs> but it is because I have the same thing and I know Joshua does too I mean I don't think there's anything wrong with having stuff or liking what you like it's that is a literal keeping up with the Joneses. That's yeah. hit a point, and because of social media really exacerbating it, it's like, and some things, I mean, it's... I know, I, I feel like I've totally bought, like, uh, collector's editions of movies or toys, literally just because I've seen, like, a nice picture of it on Instagram, <laughs> uh-huh. and I'm like, oh... I really need that now, you know. Well, so, but but it's I mean we've talked a little bit on, and I know we we're going to talk a little bit more, but I mean it's kind of like on the my big thing with most stuff now is is that it's not I'm trying to keep up with the Joneses. It's that I don't want to pay the flipper price for it. Yeah. And yeah, my yeah, big yeah. issue with it is that I'm sorry I can't. It's not even money. No matter what amount of money I've had at different points in my life, it's really just what am I really willing to pay for it. And yeah. for a lot of things, now that they're getting down to this is limited to five, ten, fifty, a hundred, five hundred, a thousand. And you think, well, a thousand, that's a lot, especially at like fifty dollars, mm-hmm. but it sells out in thirty seconds. And I'm not even because we've already kind of touched on the Mondo thing. And, you know, that was obviously a huge accelerant to that whole, um, industry, right. which is all you can really call it. Um, but I think that, um, nowadays it's just because, you know, you really start thinking, well, if it's 50, only 50 people are going to own this. Now, uh, whatever, a percentage of them are going to flip it. But only, but, I mean, the rest of the people, I think, are actually going to keep it. Oh, sure. So now you only have 10 people to buy it from if you miss it initially. And now it's what percentage, what, um, you know, markup am I willing to pay for well, it? And on that, you know, I mean, what bums me out, right, is that, okay, so, like, are you guys familiar with uh, Mike Mitchell? 
Yeah. Okay. So like, you know, he does like all these uh for the, the audience members that yeah, don't know. Portraits. Yeah, so he does like all these portraits that are either facing to the left or to the right. And they're I mean, very I love his work. I I still don't own a Mike Mitchell. But usually Mondo does his as actually open editions. True. Um but for like four days, right? Um, and I never got the Ray one. And I mean, I love Ray from Star Wars, which most people know. I just like absolutely love Ray. And I didn't get it because it was just a time that I just didn't have the $65 to spend at the time, you know? Yeah. And then, I mean, it lasted for four days. It's no longer available. Now, and even though it was an open edition, it's you can't get it cheaper than $150 on eBay. So that's the kind of thing that kills me because it's like now when something like that comes up, when Mondo doesn't open open edition i always like feel like i gotta get this thing because i'm gonna regret it well, later then, if i don't and then you think of something like that with like a ray you think well it's such a popular character i bet so many people bought it it's not like oh the the fucking character nobody cares right. about and i mean that sincerely because i always think of that with stuff i'm like there's so much merchandise this is such a huge property oh no one will ever care and right. then it's like oh my god like yeah you know, yeah, but and like on that same tick, I totally feel like Mondo is like responsible for destroying the the markets they innovate. Oh, sure, and, and part of it is just like they try to dictate like what kind of style they're gonna offer, mm-hmm. and then everyone follows the leader. And I'm gonna say it, I, I honestly think Jay Shaw, the art direct, the art director of Mondo, along with Rob Jordan and Mitch Putnam. Would, Primarily, Jay Shaw, who replaced uh, Justin Ishmael, has shitty taste in artwork, and they've gone to this like weird, like ultra minimalist, like uh, abstracts. I think you're mostly style. right. I mean, some things still have the old style because I think they're working with artists that have that old style. Yeah, you know, like they're doing the Dawn of the Dead, or I'm sorry, Shaun of the Dead one, right? Which, yeah. With the, Rich Kelly, who yeah. used to be like. You know, one of the lower tier original Mondo artists, right. like, oh, something weird. Let's get Rich Kelly, and he would do like Beetlejuice. Yeah, and, yeah. And now, like, oh, a real Mondo. Like, literally, this was mm-hmm. a thing I saw. I was like, oh, finally, they got a real Mondo artist. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Well, why do they keep hiring? We buy your kids. I'm sorry. That's oh, that's my number it. one. Thank so, you. Sorry, yes. that's my number one hit yes. list. I'm not even afraid of saying it him. because. I just, it's not because I think if people want, I do, I'm open to all art styles. I think it should be diverse and people should be able to, if, if people like their art, that's the great part. Now right. you have an online business where you can cater directly to your audience. Right. But continually using them, I mean, especially on, it, it goes back to what I just said, when it's a lesser known subject, it's like, man, nobody's going to make a print or uh, something for this, this film I love. I mean, this is really uncommon. And yeah. then it's them. Um, so they did one of those for, um, uh, the cover of, uh, God, was it? Oh, Slumber, not Slumber Party Massacre. Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, I think, was theirs on Death Waltz. Yeah. And it is the ugliest damn art. I don't right. even want to look at it. I like that score. Yeah. And I bought it, but I bought it for like $20 because I didn't want to pay for, yeah. I would never pay full price for that. That art, because that's what I want. I want the whole package. Right. I want the art to look good. I want the, um vinyl or whatever it is it's all got to be on point i just think it's it's an artificial um you know like i don't know it's it's funny because like you know like i i work in sales right and um you know i look at the sales numbers and they send them out every single day about like what numbers there are right and you have like 
you know, this month and it's like this every month. You have one guy at 50,000, one guy at 30,000, one guy at 25,000 and everybody else is at 5,000. And that's just like how it happens. And I think that Mondo is the same deal. It's like, right, they're taking a huge piece of the pie and there's not much left for the other people. At least in sales, it's actually something that's based on on skill. You know, maybe some people are just way better than than other people. But with Mondo, it's like, you know, and again, like, you don't want to harp on it too much because we talked about it on a 24 by 36 episode, but I was just a gallery 1988 man, and I saw a ton of amazing prints that are just as good, if not better, than anything that Mondo has to offer. And they have them there. You can get them on the website. They're cheaper than Mondo. A lot of them are like limited to 25 copies, and they're signed and numbered. And meanwhile, you have things that come out with like, you know, a, a 450 uh, and, a, and a 450 variant. That's 900 prints. And they sell out in two minutes it's just it's a name brand a lot of it is just flippers buying because it's the main brand and most of that most of that stuff just ends up in flat files and maybe 10 or 20 people will actually like get it to put it up but like i feel like they've like burned that print market and that's why so much of their output is like geared now more towards doing like vinyl soundtracks which are hardly ever sell out too yeah which hardly ever sell out but which they make most of their money selling them to like record stores like directly you know the flippers gonna stop man like when are they just gonna stop buying up all the the stuff then so that if there's a mondo print i want i can actually freaking get it well i think a big part of it though is it's funny that you talk about that because this is true like sometimes it'll be like 25 and they're still there. And you're like, yeah. how can these still be there? But that's my big thing. It's why I was talking about like the super limited thing is it's like 25 is not enough for most items. I mean, I don't expect a thousand, but I do expect like a hundred or 200 in hopes to be able to actually reasonably get something. The other thing too, I mean, I guess I just look at light, you know, life is unfair, of course, but I mean, I had no idea. I'm not technologically inept or anything like that. I used to, you know, I'm aware of what's going on, but I mean, the prevalence of like bots, I never even thought about yeah. that. For I was like, how are people sniping so much of this stuff? And it's like, well, we, you know, it's, yeah, that's how we're aided by it. It's like, um, so oh yeah, we can get because there's no way something that sells out in thirty seconds. And there's properties, like I said, you can't harp on somebody being popular, but there's also stuff like you're playing into a community and you know you're doing that. I mean. Like, my big one with um, Mondo is when they sell Michael Myers, like any Halloween stuff, they purposely fuck with people is the way I view it. They're right. just – even at the Halloween, uh, Victor and I went to the 35 Years of Terror. They had an exclusive vinyl, oh, yeah. an exclusive print, and the line for that was the longest line the entire weekend. It was out the door. Wow. Unless Jamie Lee Curtis had shown up out of the blue or something, <laughs> yeah. I don't think that line would have – diminished like yeah. and there still would have been people there going well i'm gonna get this because and that was the first time i'd ever seen mondo at an actual convention and right. i had no that was four years ago and now i can't even begin to imagine it like texas frightmare i hear it's like two floors out you know like well yeah lines. and san diego comic-con too because that's come that's part of what i was mentioning is because that's when they do their like 16 mi- mystery poster drops or oh, whatever yeah, yeah, totally. where it's gotten to the point now where like uh, i think the first year they did it san diego con actually said if you don't actually start doing something to control your line for this stuff you're not going to be able to sell them on the floor i wouldn't be shocked if eventually it gets to the point where they're gonna have to start 
selling uh, tickets to get their posters up in the sales pavilion, just like everybody else who does exclusives. Yeah, exactly. T- tickets is the way to go. I mean, it definitely is. It's and it's more respectful of people's time. Yeah. You know, I don't mind waiting in line if it's something I like to do. I mean, it's like we've talked a lot about waiting in lines. You know, which is a an, an emergent topic here. Um, you know, but it's like like uh, when someone's gonna get stabbed <laughs> for a pop Funko. Yeah, which right? I'm still waiting for the news report oh, on that. God, of all the things to get stabbed over, not a pop Funko, please. Um, because they were the same people who stabbed someone else for a beanie baby 20 years ago and this is their a violation of their parole right right (laughs) (laughs) um you know but so it's like it's funny though because when it comes to things like cult classics right yeah um i like the waiting in line experience you know and i think about you know like we've talked about this um I, i i don't know if we've ever talked about it on air but i know i've talked about it off air um, one of my favorite youth, uh, you know, memories is, uh, the Seneca Pre. You know, I know we've talked about the Seneca Pre here, but it was one of those places. It was like, it was the place to see a movie. If it was coming out, that was the place you went to go see it. And so whenever you had that, you know, and it used to be midnight. Now it's 7 p.m. on the Thursday before, but it used to be midnight, yeah. um, before that would be the thing you would do. I mean, if you were, the people that we are, um, you know, if you were the people that were the keyed in geek community, what you would do is you would go to the Seneca Pre and you'd wait in line all day long. And that was such a fun time because it was just like it was a one theater thing right you didn't have all these people walking up what are you in line for like obviously you know what you're in line for it's a Seneca Pre, and people brought board games and we would just hang out we'd bring food and lawn chairs and we would just hang out waiting in line and it it called back to all those times those pictures you see of people in 1977 waiting in lines around the block for star wars right and and that's the same thing that's what cult classics brings it brings that kind of like you know let's get together let's wait in line so i don't think that waiting in line is an inherently bad thing oh no, no you know i think that it's actually super fun and i think that waiting in line is a huge part of geek culture in general frankly yeah um you know but there's times it's just getting out i mean those hall h lines no way. Why would anybody do that? Why would you ever wait 18 hours in line to be in the back of some huge room where just like Chris Evans is the speck down there and you can see him on one of like the projection screens, you know, like um, I just really I mean, I, I one of the things I, I again, like I mentioned, like I just started to go to ones that had shorter lines and I've stumbled into some amazing ones. I went in the Pacific Rim one two years before it came. I was it was 2011. 2011 comic-con you know which i think pacific room is what 2013 2013 yeah so it was like two years before that movie ever came out but nobody knew what pacific room was nobody cared i mean there wasn't enough of a guillermo del toro fan base there um to really care about it you know and so like i got to sit in this panel with like del toro and i'm i'm pretty sure idris elbow is there and it was like the the movie was still in storyboards like they were still doing concept art and you know and it was like guillermo del toro was just talking about about you know it's about you know giant fucking robots i was giant excited fucking monsters i was excited about it speaking of board games because originally Guillermo del toro was attached to do monster apocalypse which is a privateer press um collectible miniature game that i played right and it was i was like super excited that that was what he was gonna do i was like this is gonna be super interesting of course you know that wasn't going to sure. work, and obviously yeah. Pacific Rim turned out amazing. Right. But it was just a Del Toro project that didn't happen. Yeah, well, it, it did. It just <laughs> didn't happen exactly the way it did. Right. But obviously, yeah. yeah. 
Speaking of, of which, um, you know, you tie like the E3, it's like, hey, Silent Hills, any, uh, <laughs> yeah, oh right. yeah, Konami fucked everyone and everything. Hey, I so. still have my PT installed, dang it, yeah. I still have that thing. Which I'll, is which is crazy, though, yeah. to th- you think about that, like, hey, I'll sell you my uh, system here with it right. for, uh, you know, 500 bucks more. The problem is I can't do that because I'd have to sell my PSN account, too. Like, that's the oh, only yeah, way yeah, I'd be yeah. able to do is to sell my PSN account, right? I mean, I, I think that's the way it works. Yeah. I am, and I'm not, please, no way. I've got, I've got hours logged in Destiny on that, buddy. Sorry. I've got, I've got, you know, platinum Destiny trophies. I'm not getting rid of those. No way, no my, how. My resume worthy achievements. Yeah, have, exactly. Or, uh, trophies. <laughs> that's yeah. right at the top of my resume, man. Yeah. Like, you know, I beat, I beat the every raid on hard in Destiny. Come at me, bro. No, but it does get to that point, like, it, it, what we've been talking about, where, like, people are like, well, I still want it, I'll buy it no matter what, just to get it, you know? Right. Like, I mean, at a certain point, it's like, you know, it'd be nice if you could get everything that you were trying to get after yeah. in your particular schema of collecting, but at a certain point, you know, it's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of one of the reasons I like NECA's convention exclusives or the fact that they make really weird variants of mm-hmm. things where, like, yeah, it'd be cool to have it, but for the most part, I'm going to be able to o- be okay and move on with my life if I don't have an 8-bit Jason or this year they've got some really, they have like a, uh, what is it, uh, Jungle Briefing Dutch exclusive. I saw that. Predator. I want it. I want it. <laughs> I want it. Damn it. And did you see that he's got the, the Dylan arm yeah. on the package so that when his arm's sticking out, yeah. he's doing the Dylan Dutch? Oh, come on. I want it. <laughs> I want it. See, for me, the weirder, the better. Yeah. Like, I really like those super weird exclusive things that they have. Yeah. You know? But that's what I like about NECA, though, is that they actually, like, I think a few years ago, they did a. Sanyo Comic Con exclusive that was um the toys the the of kaiju that they show for a second like kaiju become toys and that little montage right. from the beginning of Pacific Rim they made the actual kaiju toys oh that's so cool yeah and then the year after that they did uh, you know during the credits they have those silhouetted black versions of the Jaegers and mm-hmm. the so they made toys that look like that. Oh my god you know so cool yeah so to me i'm like see that's clever those are deep cuts for people who are into that and then johnny come uh johnny come flippers like i don't know what that is it's probably not that important yeah well yeah and then some army of course are are right on top of it because they're like anything i can make money off of i mean everything has been so flooded and that's the problem is is that of course it is prime real estate in which to um you know upsell everything but it's also that it is, you know, companies are also getting so overboard with like such a glut of product that it's like, okay, I can't possibly. And that's great to have variety, but you know, like people are going to, I mean, I'd say a good segment of the market is going to want a lot of the items, not just mm-hmm. like one. And I guess, like I said, I mean, I would just piggyback off what Victor said. My whole thing is I've gotten older or got more into it. it's like ah, sometimes i'm like yeah i want it <laughs> yeah. i want no but yeah. then it's like and getting like visibly upset like i've had numerous girlfriends be like what the hell is wrong with you what ebay auction did you lose like what exclusive <laughs> didn't you get and it's like yeah i'm upset about it but then at the same time i mean real life happens and right. things like that and it's like 
yeah, it's an enjoyable entertainment option. It's an escape. It's whatever. It's something fun and I enjoy. But it's kind of like when things, you know, we kind of had a discussion about, um, you know, things that get damaged. Like you were talking about your your beloved like Blade Runner yeah. print. I mean, obviously a happy ending had come yeah. out of it. But, you know, obviously you had the attitude, too, that it's like I've had a couple things that have broken i mean that's i was that, genuinely that, bummed out that, oh like, no and i believe yeah. it and i i have no blame for you because i've had the a similar experience but one of the big parts of it and this is the re and that's the reason i don't collect statues anymore right. because they they're gonna fucking break yeah. um but it really is because at the same time how important is it like how much value does this actually have to me? It is an object. I like it. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. But, um, and that's where, like I said, in the diversity in spending, I thought I was getting better. I mean, I have interests and stuff like, um, you know, beyond like things, but I got mainly into horror. I don't really even collect anything sci fi, fantasy, even though I love those right. genres. And I collect a, some wrestling, garbage pail kids, a few other items, but it's hit a point where I'm like, Man, I thought I was getting better. It's like collecting video games. I uh, I went just solely pretty much horror in that. Right. I buy games, but they're all basic editions. But when it comes to like collectors or some some crazy items, I'm like, oh, I got to have that. I'm like, man, I thought I'd really like narrowed my vision. And now it's like, oh, I, I spent something. like $1,000 on this. It's like yeah, on like all these you. items, man, I thought I had... I thought you had a good game plan. I, uh, me too, dude. Like, seriously, it's like I thought like three years ago, I was like, okay, I've got my collection to the point that I'm pretty happy with there, it. There I, it yeah. is, right you there. You know, like, I'm totally, I'm happy with my collection. I don't have to spend much money on anything else. You know, it reminds me of that that uh, that line in Fight Club where he's like, you know, you buy that couch. It's like, that's the last couch I'm going to have to buy. You know, and it's like, and but no, it's not. The, and you know why? Because they keep on goddamn making things and they know it. They know they know our psyche so well that they know how to keep making things that we're gonna want. Well, and then they figured out, oh wait, we can't get the capital for this, so let's start crowdfunding. Oh yeah, and now and then it's like I feel like gambling. Let's do that. <laughs> like let's see if it ever actually comes out. You know. Right. Now I'm actually curious about something on this because I think that you keyed into something interesting, and I and I'm curious about your guys's background on this. So like psychologically, for me, okay, um. I know that one of the reasons that I kind of collect so vociferously as, as much as I do, um, is just because, like, I'm, um, I was, I grew up really poor. Like, I'm super, super poor. Like, couldn't really afford anything ever. Like, oh, I just remember, I mean, being a kid in the 80s which was like materialism city, right? And they had so many cool things and so many cool Star Wars toys and He-Man toys and all that stuff, right? And I, I mean, I could never afford any of it. We had like one thing is that like once every two weeks when my mom got paid, I got to go to the store and get one toy, you know, like one $5 toy or whatever. So I, I collected my fair share of He-Man over, you know, the years and everything, things like that. But I mean, we were super, super poor and I, the things that I got, like my He-Man and, you know, the things that I really enjoyed, I ended up just losing over time. I mean, part of it just through, a, you know, being an irresponsible idiot in my 20s and, you know, things like that and moving a bunch. And so I feel like I'm in co- this constant state of trying to reclaim my childhood. I'm trying to get these things I couldn't. And I'm just curious if there's any kind of psychological basis in you guys as collectors anything like that or even a different story that might explain your collecting tendencies 
How have you wasted your life, Victor? <laughs> what? <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, when I was a kid, I used to I used to have toys then, and um, like I would collect like GI Joes and like Transformers, and like for the most part, I actually still have a lot of that stuff back at my parents' house. And then like, yeah, you know, in my teens, I got really into like video gaming, and then right. like I really fell off of that like in the last, you know in my twenties. Um, but you know, I really, at the same time, I've always sort of been into like movies and stuff. And I liked having like some kind of like collectible of things that I liked. Cause I remember, I think I probably said this story before, like, uh, when I went to go see RoboCop at this, uh, AMC, it was Rolling Hills six when I was a kid. Now it's like Rolling Hills 20. Um, you know, you, you went to the theater and like they gave everybody who went like uh you are now like officially an OCP deputy oh, like a little like certificate. Is this the original thing. Robocop? Yeah. That's this was so like in cool. 1987 and I was like I want to say like 8 yeah, probably 8 years old or so. You know, so I I had that for the longest time. It was like a little blue certificate and I was like that's like that's so cool and I remember like you know when uh like mo- new movies would come out like i remember like uh when the batman movie came out we all went to taco bell to get the batman cups i have those cups and and, and it's funny because like just in what i was just talking about is that i had those cups i remember as a child and it's like i don't know if you guys have this but like i have this thing a lot where like i almost like it's almost like a flashback to like my childhood and i have like this memory and it comes to me like maybe like once every three or four months of like going to taco bell getting that uh, a soda in that batman cup and uh-huh. eating cinnamon chips when they had before yeah cinnamon they had the twist. batman they had the batman shaped cinnamon things yes and i remember getting those even though i don't like they were basically like churro mini churros right yeah, and but they gave it a stupid name, like yeah, yeah, cinnamon, yeah. whatever. But, like, I lost those cups, and then, like, recently I was at uh, Arizona Collector's Marketplace, and I was, like, and I saw those cups. I was, like, ah, I gotta get them. And so I got them, and so, like, I feel like I've reclaimed I can't even thing. begin to tell you how many turtle pies I ate. <laughs> and those tasted like fucking shit. Well, they still make those. You can go, like, we bought some, like, a few, like to this place in downtown Phoenix called, like, I think it's called Big Boys or something uh-huh. like that. And they sell all the ice cream to ice cream trucks. Oh, no, no, I meant the turtle cream pies. They, uh, they were like, a, um, what do you call them? Like the, you know, like a cherry pie, the 50 cent, like. Sure, like not, a hostess. Oh. But they're like, yeah, Little Debbie. They all have their uh-huh. version of it. But I always think of the ones in kind of the, um, oh, shit, wax paper kind of style with just, like, the cherry on the front. Yeah. yeah. They had That's Turtles hostess, one, yeah. and they had they had stickers in them. And, I mean, that was, like, when you get what Ninja Turtles. What flavor were they? A vanilla cream. And oh, I wow. did not like cream-filled donuts. I didn't like uh-huh. cream-filled anything. I was never, like, a big Twinkie fan. Yeah, I hate Twinkies. I was, nev- I was never a fan of it. So I'm talking as a kid. hate Twinkies? As I mean, a kid, they don't, they, yeah. To me, they don't taste like anything. Yeah. Oh, I just God. didn't like them. I never I liked um, cake. My mother made me a Rice Krispie cake numerous years. Now, I right. loved cupcakes because it was the perfect ratio of cake and frosting. Uh-huh. But, like, anything that was too much frosting was right. just too much for right. me. Um, but I think of things like that, like, that what I would go through. Obviously, like I said, eating, I am like, I was weird. I didn't actually like a lot of fast food either when I was a kid for right. only certain things. But I would go just to get the damn McDonald's toy or whatever. So, I mean, I think that was there from the beginning. For me, it's like I said, a lot of those things were 
um, you know, GI Joe, obviously Transformers. Um, I was a huge, um, I mean, I liked it. Okay. I've never been into sports, but I like, I, I was a huge baseball card collection. Right. Because it was the first thing where I think I could, was actually pursuing something. Like, and I'm still a huge non-sport card collector, um, garbage pill kids, a lot of different media properties and, and odds and ends. Um, and nowadays there's a lot of like hits, but, um, so it, what but, about like, so let me ask, I mean, yeah. like, so the stuff from your childhood, like say yeah. that even the baseball cards, do you still have that stuff? No, a lot of it I don't have. I mean, there's some things we've kept from our childhood and stuff. I mean, like I still have my childhood NES. Um, I still have, um, a couple different things, but that's the number one thing for me is I do not have nostalgia. One, I don't remember my childhood mm-hmm. extremely well. Like there are people now, like my teenage years and up, I could, I could quote verbatim, but I had a great childhood, a very happy childhood. Um, you know, no matter what the financial situation was or whatever it was, it was not to, to the level you were at, but it was, as you explained your story, but it was like when we were younger. I mean, I remember a $5 figure. I remember the number one thing when I was a kid that I wanted more than anything. My father, I had to wait because my father traveled a lot. He was gone a lot when we were kids because he was doing business was, um, Voltron was mm-hmm. I got one piece every trip he came back. Oh, so I'd have awesome. to wait a week, week and a half. I wish I had Voltron that, that one he brought me because my father's, the most important man to me is the best person I know besides my other members of my family. But it's just one of those things where, but I don't pine for stuff. Like, I mean, it's cool to see something like you hear a story like, oh, those glasses, like that's kind of cool because you can use them or even a toy you can display. But I don't go out of my way. Like the one big thing, even though Victor and I, we always talk about this is like, um, like I still collect a lot of the figures and packages. And it's not because I want to resell them. And it's not because as Victor always puts it, I want to have a toy store in my house. It's just kind of the way I've always done it. Like I sometimes right. will buy one loose. Sometimes I'll get one in a package. It just depends. But one of the things that I have noticed, and this is big in gaming too, mm-hmm. is people are so nostalgic drunk. They are literally trying to make a KB Toys or a Toys R Us in their house. I am. I mean, I, mean, I, yeah, I, I know. That may not apply to you, but yeah. I am like nostalgia. Is, I'm almost yeah. haunted by nostalgia. Yeah, <laughs> see, for me, it's it's not at all like that. And again, it's people's whatever they want to do with their time or money is not my thing. But it's interesting. Like some things I think it's kind of cool. Like like I was saying, I like train cards. I bought old boxes and I'll actually sell them. Kind of like we were talking about the reanimator thing. Right. Like I'll do that myself. I think that's, you know, so it's little bits and pieces. But I mean, people who are fully trying to replicate, I mean, at any cost. Um, and I think that it, if it makes you happy, there, there shouldn't be, it doesn't hurt anybody. Um, but I also think for me, it's like a lot of people go, Oh, I love this show. And I'm like, I would never watch any of these shows. Like again, like I tried to rewatch Transformers, GI Joe, Lunt Thundercats, Mask, all these He-Man ones. He-Man is real, real bad. Yeah. He-Man. And you realize, no, only of course what the target audience was. Or, or it's not even animation quality or anything. Some of these are amazing for the time. I just yeah, yeah, feel yeah, real like, Ghostbusters is tremendous. Oh, it's still like, great. Still yeah. great. So, yeah. so see, you do have your ones that are great. Also, a great toy line and a lot oh, of great yeah. items. Oh yeah. But it's just one I of those. Remember the old things. lady? She had like a big mouth. Yeah, the big, mouth. Um, yep. the the car, the Volkswagen Beetle that yep. became the like praying mantis. It, it was crazy. But I mean, I just I I've always been a collector. I always will be to at least some degree. I mean, I don't think that'll ever change. But I also, uh, as I'm getting a little bit older, I just kind of like, 
um, trying to hone in more on what I really want, the things that really make me happy. And um, so I noticed when you came into the studio today. Oh yes, uh, you you had a little a little parcel with you that, that looks like true. you just stopped by Zia. Oh yes, our good Did friends you... at Zia Records, who uh, really, really, and I, this is not a shameless plug because they're our sponsor. But I mean, truly, I have spent like thousands of Zia, and it's because I don't expect. I'm I just do not have the time to go thrifting the way I used to. Right. So Zia does it for me and generally keeps stuff at the price I want. Except for fucking Laserdisc. I don't know what this <laughs> hipster bullshit is, but I used to pay 50 cents for those last year. I'm right. not paying 40 bucks. So, but uh, so they what did, did find me one of my most sought-after collectibles. One thing I did not have as a kid and always wanted was, and that is a big part of collecting mentality too, I've noticed, is our Boglin friend. Boglin. Um, yeah, so I found a Boglin. The one Boglin I always want, I think it's Drool and... um it's uh was in great condition. I got him for an unbelievable steal, more than half the going market rate in great condition. And it's one of those things where you, not only that, we were all playing with it here is, is that it's amazing that it was a puppet. It yeah. has the ability. I mean, it's, you know, may not Jim Henson studio or something, but it is incredible. Oh, how it's got some, some personality. Exactly. I mean, yeah. it's amazing to make the eyes work and stuff. And I have, uh, just always wanted one. It didn't come with the 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 crate, but um, you know, it's still. I, I this is like now that's a toy I want out of the box. I want to be able to play right. with that yeah, and enjoy. Yeah. It. And some that's the thing I gotta look at. Is there's toys I really want out to enjoy, and especially Victor's brought up on previous podcasts is the um the amount of detail and articulation, the way in which you can display. I mean, that was one thing when I got into Instagram was I started seeing some of the incredible. Also, Victor mentioned the uh toy photography yeah and it's like man i kind of want to get into this like i want to have more figures out so i can do <laughs> i can start trying to do some of these natural sayings and dioramas but you know like there are a few things when i was a kid like a boglin is one of the tight yeah. top ones i always wanted um you know and there's only you know i'm pretty lucky there's not many things that have gone out of my price range from you know childhood i don't know about you guys i, I but Nothing too, too crazy. I, I don't, I'm not one of those people too is like, oh, you know, like video games. Like, I always wanted a little Samson. You know, fucking little Samson was. <laughs> Give me a break. No one did. Uh, That's why they only made like 10,000 cartridges or whatever. All I can um, tell you, man, is I'm totally looking at Mob, at, uh, oh, at, Boglin. at Boglins right yeah, now. Yeah, like, so it's I'm great. I'm going to have to get one. Cause yeah. after looking at your Boglin, I'm like you, in a you, non-sexual way, everyone. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't even go that far, but uh, but you know, it's like you fired the nostalgia in oh, my yeah. head. I was like, ah, you know, because I've been looking at them for a while. Part of it is because like um, it was a uh, cavity colors. They did a an yes. enamel pin set recently of all the different. And boglins. I did get this boglin in the uh, glow in the dark, which oh, I yeah, loved. Dude. Yeah, that that's that one sold out super fast. Speaking of enamel pins, there's a company called. Um, uh, lunar crypt company who i really like really good people they do some really great pins but i learned about skull force Never uh, heard of it. recently they did a pin for it yeah there was like you know it's you find out about these cool like forgotten toy lines yeah. now some of the cartoons are really merchandised might have been total hot garbage but like there was a huge skeleton not just like the skeletor but like skeletons were huge in the 80s oh, yeah. and a lot of people did like skeleton lines and i guess one was uh, skull force is what it was sorry skull force skull but force. they did that uh sounds familiar. yeah they did it's just one of those ones like people didn't i was in a comic shop today and i saw um i was at all about books and comics and they had 
the new, I think it's IDW, is doing a series of Mask. No. And Mask was one of my favorites when oh, I was a dude, kid. Dude, so you know, good. so but I don't know. There's there's so many of those series and stuff, but you know, it's also kind of goes into though in the end, um, you know, as collectors and stuff, and what's important. One thing we were kind of talking about here earlier was um, before the podcast was we had started talking about like uh, Shout Factories doing a sale now. It's not Skeleton Warriors though. Sorry, to no. Skeleton Warriors was a ninety series. Right, it's right. Skull okay. Force, I'm not, and no. I don't know if it even ever came to be. I'm no. not an expert on it or something, right. but it's just interesting to kickstart the thing, like kickstart in my head. Right. Um. Uh. But uh, no, I was just thinking about that because I actually had a couple in my cart today or yesterday. Um. The sale I think goes on for a few more days, and I was like, man, I really. There's a couple tiles I really want here, but I'm like, do I need them? Do I really want them? Right. One of the ones was they have a couple limited editions, and they had like Up from the Depths, the Velvet Vampire, and those are their limited to a thousands and a thousand copies each on Blu-ray. They're really twenty six fifty down to thirteen, and right. I was like, not a flipper switch goes on like going, oh man, I could probably make some money off these eventually. It goes. I don't want to pay fifty bucks for them because I don't know if I even want to pay thirteen. Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. I mean, you know, because we've got the 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 the, the Screen Factory, Shot Factory sales happening right yeah. now, right? And um, and so you know, they've got a lot of their stuff marked down to fifty percent, which I feel some of it is a good deal and some of it's not. True. You know, like um, they kind of raise their prices in a lot of cases to then say 50% off. I mean, so you can get them for not much more than what they're posting them for regularly on things like Amazon. But do you get the slip cover and um, the limited poster and something Well, they else? differentiate right. between all that stuff. Oh, yeah. no, they do. I mean, but that's but what I'm saying. Is, that's like, what they that's do the... that with like every, like the usual the uh, criterion sale that it'll, probably happen in two months uh-huh. it's like you know everything's gonna be 20 bucks cause right and suddenly it's like yeah. oh our price list yeah. price msrp yeah exactly um but you know i mean well and they they don't they only do the posters if you like pre-order it yeah like, that's what i'm saying right. it's the lure of the direct sales yeah, yeah. is they only do that and it's the only way to guarantee the slip cover and then they found out that slip covers were so huge in the secondary market they're like <laughs> Man, people are willing to pay 40, 50 bucks just for the slipcover. Which slip is cover, stupid. Which is right, stupid. Right. But now we're going to do a limited collector's edition where you get a second slipcover, which sometimes is cool what, because you get alternate art. Where are you going to store a second slipcover? <laughs> That's my in, whole in thing. In my, my collective slipcover protective case. <laughs> my slipcover flat file. My slipcover <laughs> flat file. There it is. That That's the one. Yeah. My, like, you know, because I have some stuff I've gotten from Arrow or whatever. It's like, a, you know, it's the slip case. Yeah. And then there's the slip, slip box. Cover. Yeah. Like, okay, that makes sense. Two fucking slipcovers. Right. That's like that's stupid. <laughs> well, I think I think part of it is is that it is. That's about why the I couldn't pull art. the trigger on that like Return of the Living Dead. Yeah. I'm like really? No, I'm not gonna pay fucking twenty bucks extra for a second slipcover and a poster. I'm not even gonna put up. And like I own two copies, three copies of Return of the Living Dead already in various formats, and that's something that really I've been thinking about a lot. Just like because like, am I gonna pull the trigger on this Screen Factory sale that's going on right now? But it's like I thought about, you know, okay, like I don't have Prince of Darkness on Blu-ray, so I kind of want to get that one. But like 
I don't know. I have it on VHS. You know, I just picked it up at the, the Bookman's like Revenge of the Sixth sale that yeah. they had, or Revenge of the Fifth sale they had going on or whatever. And, uh, you know, like I paid like 50 cents for it. And I kind of want to watch that movie on VHS anyway. Um, so I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's got those special features, but that's one thing that I'm high, kind of having a hard time reconciling a lot of these blu-rays that come out and they seem to be you know and we've brought up in this episode before about you know how we are big collectors right and we are i think kind of the target audience for that kind of stuff they in a way we're marks they know how to get to right. us um but like i don't know like i mean i picked up i paid because i really really liked the cover and i love this movie a lot but i mean i paid like 50 dollars on ebay for the life force collector's edition from screen factory yeah that is i mean it's dis- discontinued now i guess because mm-hmm. of some kind of a rights issue or something so it's like you can't get that collector's well, edition. yeah just the collector's edition right because usually they add it's just like the chucky one or the return of living dead one it's like you know yeah. but you can still get it yeah because i picked it up today uh huh. Yeah. Well, so Life Force, like you can get the regular one, just not the collector's yeah. edition. But so, like, so that's the thing, though. I'm looking at it and going, like, okay. So I paid this fifty bucks. I could have just gotten Life Force for fifteen. Yeah. I mean, on on Amazon, that's how much it was, just for the regular non collector's edition. And then, like, I I did spend an evening listening to the commentary and watching the special features and then that's it. And I don't know if I'm ever. I mean, time is a premium, guys. Like, I mean. Am I ever in my life going to sit down and listen to that commentary ever again? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but nowadays, I mean, ever since the dawn of the late 90s, early aughts, I mean, especially, I mean, I always remember the first few, like, Dimension DVDs where they had so much special features. They had the the big box with the two discs. And I remember being like, I I don't know if I can even get through all these. I want to watch them all, though. I'm so excited. And... That's the way I do a lot of films now is I don't even watch the movie again. I listen to it. Or if I do, it's going to be with the commentary. Or I'm going to dive in and start doing the special features. But, I mean, like if a film has three commentaries, I'm like, that's the life of the film for me. Yeah. I may watch it commentary list one more time or because someone wants to see it. But most of the time it's like, oh, I'm buying this as an investment yeah. for that features or, or something else or uh, for something limited with it, it's it's got to be. And I try to think of something limited, like a slip cover. Certain ones, you know, it just varies. But I mean, it's it's a tough situation. It's some things I love the film so much, and some we talked about on a podcast a long time ago. It's like, what film do you own the most? I'm like, Evil Dead, maybe. I don't yeah. know Halloween. Well, for, it's got to be I, one I'm of them. Pretty sure anything Anchor Bay, Bay or the people who like you know, perfected the art of, like, we added one additional fucking thing right. by a whole new It's not version. even double dipping. It's, like, into pie yeah. dipping. Well, like, I, I there can, is no... Yeah. Sounds delicious, but it's not. It's very expensive. <laughs> I can tell you, like, today I got... I, I participated in the uh, Scream... The Shout Factory 50% off sale, which they're celebrating, like, their fifth year anniversary, so everything on their site is 50% off. So I'll read you what I got and tell you how much I paid for it. Okay. All right. So I bought The Autopsy of Jane Doe, which I might add, I already own a digital copy of. Um, And I got, the only version you can get is the two-disc version, which comes with the Blu-ray and DVD, 
which I think eventually they're going to have to stop making these kinds of editions because really anyone who's buying it on Blu-ray has no use for the DVD. Right. I like granted there's some people like, oh, you're buying it at Walmart. Oh, well, I'm buying the it. So eventually I'll have the Blu-ray. I'm just buying it for the DVD. That's the thinking. I don't think well, that's th- true I mean, anymore. I think that the reason, yeah, it was when they first started to do them, they wanted to make sure, well, if Blu-ray is a fad and it burns out, then you still want to have that DVD version. Right. Or if you only have a DVD player and you're trying to future-proof. But yeah, it's so late in the cycle. Like, why are they still doing that? Yeah, because I have more I than a few think now that. that have, they're like, oh, you get like the Blu-ray, the Blu-ray 3D and the DVD. Well, Blu-ray and, 3D. And the digital copy. Yeah. And yeah. Blu-ray... 3D is now a dead format. Pretty much. Yeah. And then soon it'll be, we'll throw on the Blu-ray 3D for free if you buy the 4K version. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's that's yeah. the way it'll yeah. be. Oh, that's the road I'm going down, because I'm, I'm circling buying a 4K television this year. Well, and yeah. now the um, collector's editions are also, I've noticed, heavy on, because soundtracks and scores are so big. Now no, you get that, too, well, that's on collector's like editions. Yeah. It's not, yeah. So oh, no, it's not like a yeah. mainstream, but I eventually see it being like the value-added content. Yeah. We'll be like, we'll throw it. I mean, I mean for like a mainstream thing. Like, you love Grease, get the soundtrack for free on CD. <laughs> I like, think it's only going to be like certain ones where they like the, the rights yeah, are thrown in. Exactly. So I got BD DVD, Autopsy of Jane Doe, $12.49. Oh, nice. That's a good price, yeah. I'll say, because if you go to Walmart, so this is the thing. Walmart gets a lot of the Scream Shout Factory, but they put their fucking stickers on it, mm-hmm. and they never come off. Yeah, that is yeah. true. Um, I got Eve of Destruction, which I already own on VHS, so I was kind of like, I don't know. I mean, I already own it on VHS. Blu-ray disc, twelve forty nine. That's a good deal. Mm-hmm. All right. I got Double Feature. Blackula and Scream, Blackula Scream, Blu-ray. Nice. Twelve forty-nine. Hey, six six bucks a movie. Yeah, so that's how it's working out. I got Dead of Winter, which is a a movie that's uh, Mary Steenburgen in it. I used to watch this all the time on uh, HBO when I was a kid. Uh-huh. Uh, she plays like three different parts. Really? It's like a weird. Yeah, it's super movie. weird, but it's good. Yeah, fourteen bucks. All right, The Guardian on Blu-ray. This is like. I always liked this movie. It never came out on DVD, so it went straight from VHS to uh, Blu-ray. It actually did. It came out on an Anchor Bay DVD. Yeah, it's William Friedkin, the director of The Exodus and French Connection. It's one of his uh, most panned movies, but it is good. But it did come out on Anchor Bay DVD. I swear, looking at I stared at at Amoeba for like two years straight. No one ever bought it. It was 50 or 60 bucks, and I'm like, they're going to put this out on Blu-ray eventually. I'm not going to buy this. Yeah, 15 bucks. That's the most expensive one I bought in the right. sale. Life Force, which is a Blu-ray slash DVD combo pack, $11.49. Which is a tremendous movie, by yeah. the way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. If you ever watched Electric Boogaloo, the canon story. Yeah. Toby can... Hooper getting completely fucked. Yeah. Toby Hooper apparently just wanted to make different movies than Texas Chainsaw. And Menachem Golan's like, what are you doing? You're fucking me. <laughs> you know, I and I just a, a quick side note on this. So like today, and I can't believe I'd never heard this because I love this movie so much. But I just learned about the whole thing about uh, Steven Spielberg really directing Poltergeist. 
It's it's a it's, long-standing yeah. urban myth, yeah. but basically it's because it feels like a Spielberg movie. Well, I see. I think it feels like a combination of a Spielberg and a Tony Well, Hooper the thing movie. is, he was a very hands-on executive right. producer. And he did, Toby Hooper did sue and won for the rights to say he did direct the movie. Really? But Stevens, the caveat it was that, yeah, there was an actual, but he went to the... It was the 80s where, like, every movie, like, Steven Spielberg, like, most people think Steven Spielberg directed The Goonies and not sure, Richard Donner, sure. you yeah. know? Oh, yeah, yeah, all of them. And, I mean, that team, though, you know, Spielberg, uh, Lucas, Zemeckis, there, you know, there's an interchangeable nature with, I mean, they all have their own styles. Yeah. But, I mean, I do think in terms of when people start talking about movies... That they have no idea. Yeah, well, they yeah. And the Goonies is a great example. Directs all those, but I still feel like that feels like a Richard Donner film. Like, I mean, yes, I can, I can feel the Spielberg in it. Um, but just like I don't know, like just as somebody who, I mean, I love Steven Spielberg as a director. I mean, he's one of my favorite directors. I feel like I know his his fingerprint so well uh-huh. that when I watch Poltergeist, I'm like, okay, I can feel the Spielberg in here, but like, this is, this is also a Toby Hooper movie. Yeah. You know? Like you can it's totally scary. Well, I think still. part of it too is at the time, most people like still, most people only know Toby Hooper from directing Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. You know, which is a well-directed movie because there's almost no gore in that movie. Oh, sure. It's all atmosphere. Yeah. But none of Toby Hooper's movies are the same. No. This is what it is. He's like a very, very like chameleon of a director i mean texas chainsaw massacre 2 is a horror comedy invaders from mars is a weird sci-fi movie poltergeist is a very restrained family-esque yeah. horror film but i do feel that life force invaders from mars and poltergeist all have kind of like a feel that yeah. unites oh, yeah, them yeah. you know and it's like almost it's kind of weird to say this but it's like a when I think about them, I think about like like colored lights and lights yeah. flashing, you know, and that's like something that's like a very Toby Hooper thing. It's just like he likes to put like flashing lights on his actors and in his scenes um, and have things be very kind of kinetic in that way. And that's very much not like a Steven Spielberg thing to yeah. do. Um, so, yeah, I just thought it was funny because you brought you brought that up because, I mean, I love Poltergeist. I've never never heard of that. Life Force to me is just one of those really weird movies that like could only have happened. By somebody like uh, the Golan, you know, Menachem Golan, yeah. Yolan Globus, making that movie, just being weirdly hands off about it. Because mm-hmm. I can't imagine any major studio, even today, like greenlighting some weird sci fi epic with yeah. a girl who's like fully nude the entire movie. The Space Vampires? Like, yeah, I mean, the Space Vampires. Happen? Well, the book and stuff, I mean, that's based on is, is really weird, too. It's even weirder than the movie itself is. The movie is basically like its own. His it's Toby Hooper directing like a Quater Mass in the Pit basic episode, like right. one of those films. You know, it's it's very much like that. Um, and I didn't even realize that because I saw Life Force first, and then I started watching all the Quater Mass movies. And I'm like, holy shit, this is basically like because it is a British novel. It's a mm-hmm. British horror. People always think of Hammer horror, yeah. but there was a very um, you know a, a strong community. 60s, 70s, and 80s of making some very, I mean, you have things like The Wicker Man, you know, and, and you know, to, to like the sci fi horror. Um, but yeah, I think that, um, to the, obviously we've talked about the, uh, the canon documentaries and stuff before, but I do think, yeah, it was that golden age and stuff where so much was anything goes. And 
I think that that's why so many people want special editions was because it was so hard to find these movies for so long. Like Texas Chainsaw is a great version. Invaders does now. Right. And so does Life Force as well as some other ones. Like they also Scream Factory also did the Fun House, which is, yeah. you know, Toby Hooper's true slasher movie. And it's a, I, I love, I love that, that movie, yeah. personally. But it's really um, scared the hell out of me. Yeah, I'm masking. Dude. I, I like, really was. I think that and uh, Phenomena, the pheno- the oh, uh, Argento yeah, yeah. movie with the uh, reveal. Oh, oh, I'm not gonna. But okay, the, yeah, it's the reveal of Gun- uh-huh. Gunther in in Funhouse. They, there's one like that in. Awesome. Yeah. Some about Funhouse is like I don't know. It's like um, it's one of these movies that just feels like it has this kind of gross grime on it that um and maybe that's just something i'm carrying forward as you know from from childhood but it feels kind of like just scary i mean in the way that i'm sure had i seen texas chainsaw massacre as a child i would also feel the same way but that's not one i ever did watch but i did watch funhouse as a child and i can't remember the main actress in that but i'd like the biggest biggest crush on her she was also in in uh amadeus as well Mm -hmm. um you know so like uh but yeah i'm Anyway, Did you buy the Fun House, Victor? No, I already have that movie. Okay, I didn't yeah. know. I was yeah, just yeah, curious. Yeah. What else? No, I was I was telling Joshua my big my big because I went through everything in their catalog, which they have the one of the worst sites ever. Yeah, it's it's, it's so stupid. it's so stupid. It's great if you really know nothing about these movies because it has like videos, synopsis, right. comments. But man, even mobile optimized, it is so slow. Yeah. No, so basically, because I mean, uh, I know a lot of people. Clearly, most people listening to this haven't been to like our, our, our my house and our studio. But like, basically, I have like a big VHS collection here, and then I have one giant shelf for DVDs, and then one giant shelf for Blu-rays. And my whole thing is, I'm trying to just keep one definitive version of. Because some movies, right. their definitive version is on DVD. Yeah. You know, and you can get the Blu-ray and it's just an up-converted DVD. So what's the point, you know? Especially when everything essentially costs the same. So they had things on there like Shocker on Blu-ray. But I'm like, I have that on VHS. And to yeah. me, the ideal way to watch Shocker is on VHS. Heck yeah. So why would I get a Blu-ray of that, you know? And a lot of the other stuff they had on there, I already had on Blu-ray from other sources. So, mainly, I just try to stick to, like, I like this version. No, I already upgraded. No, I already upgraded. The last thing I bought from their sale was the Troll slash Troll 2 with Best Worst Movie on TV. Really? How much was that? It was $15. Oh, dude, I'm getting that. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Because I only, have, I only have Troll 2. Yeah, you, you get know, all on DVD, three for 15 And that's on Blu-ray, I assume, right? No, or... Best Worst Movie is the DVD. Okay. Troll and Troll 2 are like on Blu-ray. Okay. Yeah, but documentary, well, you're good on DVD. Yeah. It's... yeah. Yeah, it's fine. It's worth it just because I only have Troll 2 on DVD anyway. Yeah, so I have I the old Troll 1, Troll 2, MGM double feature, just like Ghoulies, which they yeah. also upgrade to Blue. Oh, yeah. they have Ghoulies, too, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they have a Ghoulies, Ghoulies 2 double feature. All right, okay, sold. Fine, guys. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. See, I didn't expect to spend money on this this weekend, but I'm going well, and, to. And then with those, you're also, I mean, you know, it's, if you never owned them, like, that's a great deal for the two full-length movies and a great documentary. Right. And then you get, but, I mean, with Ghoulies, I know they add some special features and stuff, and then you got to decide. But, I mean, I only paid, like, you know, 
when you talk about like what was the cost, I mean, I paid four dollars for that Ghoulies and probably five dollars for Troll. You know, nothing more than I mean, a lot of DVDs. You, I bought used. I didn't spend more than six, seven bucks. Right. You know, so I mean, it wasn't. I I mean, I'm glad, of course. I didn't buy DVDs in 1997 for $40 for a keep case of, you know, whatever bolt face off or some shit. Like I didn't, I didn't really buy DVD. I didn't have a DVD player till 2001, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. It's a super early adopter. Yeah. But I mean, and and what I mean by that is, is though, but most people still, when they were buying DVD, you bought the movies you really wanted or, and they were already coming out with editions that were either, the Laserdisc, which at the time were the prime format, um, but it was, um, I mean, like, I bought my, like, how I got back into gaming was I bought my PS3 for, as a Blu-ray player, right? and it came with Uncharted, and I'm like, oh my god, this is the best thing I've ever played, I'm so excited, like, and then I, you know, went down that rabbit, you know, hole, and just, god knows how many thousands of dollars later, but, <laughs> yeah. on topic, um, I do think that, you know, when you talk about that, like having a definitive title and that, you know, right now we're in a kind of a gray area because 4K, I, you know, because of having to have the TV, I think to really enjoy the experience, mm-hmm. I think has people are moving towards that. But I just don't think it's 100% there. Well, yeah. no. I, I mean, remember 2K was like the big thing a yeah, couple years sure. ago. Well, in 4K, what I want to watch in 4K is new movies i want to see stuff that was designed for it i don't know i mean certain older films yes because sure. you knew they were by directors who were um excellent you know either were great with themselves with um the you know dp work or were great with uh you know of course like i'd love to see um some of the biggest movies the biggest blockbusters like jaws or uh the shining or something i would love to right. see in a 4k and restoration just know that you're getting it as clear yeah. as you possibly exactly. can to the you know yeah. as close to the original um but i don't know it is interesting because when we when we get to uh new formats i always find that there's this kind of honeymoon phase that i go through um you know like when we were talking about the early uh dvd right and i remember remember having um fear loathing las vegas and event horizon um and those are the two movies and like i had those on dvd and it was just like so clear and of course now you look at dvd like oh okay it's you know the colors are pretty washed out and there's some graininess but like at the time coming off of vhs right you're like oh my god this is the clearest thing i've ever seen in my life this looks so good dvds for me were like cds the first time i heard Uh a cd i'm like i can go to any song i want yeah i don't have to fast forward oh my god i was so excited that was the revolutionary thing for me and same deal when um when uh in one i was i I was somebody that backed hd dvd not blu-ray um so i got an hd dvd player and i got like a huge collection of about 40 hd dvd movies um and i mean that was again the same deal it was like i remember i got one of you know some of those the well I mean, you can't say early release with HD DVD because there were the only releases. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, like Children of Men, for example. And I remember just getting Children of Men on HD DVD and just watching that and going, oh, my God, this thing is so clear. This is such a good looking movie. The sound's so good. I remember getting the Matrix trilogy on HD DVD and just watching that and being like, oh, this looks so good. Oh, my God. And then now I'm just, you know what? triple quadruple dip or not like i'm totally ready to do that with 4k again i really am my whole thing is i'm willing to wait because like i i i feel like 
if somebody just got into getting Blu-rays like this, like last year, for example, uh-huh. there's a part of me that really envies them because it's like, oh my it's god, true. everything is like four bucks. True. You know, and I'm and I wasn't that person on Blu-ray. I mean, no. wait, well, yeah. not only I bought like 40 HD DVDs, and then when it was clear Blu-ray was going to happen, I got rid of all those HD DVDs and just rebought everything on Blu-ray. So do I you still have the player, thing. just out of curiosity. I still do, sir. Okay, yeah. just and, curious. Yeah. No, no, no. It's just I, I've, I've never actually seen it. Yeah, I like did. I've never seen anything in HD DVD. I've always been interested. Yeah, and um, and I actually, uh, I've still got some of my HD DVDs as well. Like I've got um. You know, like uh, like Children of Man. I've got Twelve Monkeys. You know, I I held on to some of them. Um, you know, just and also all I've got all the Kubrick films on HD DVD as well. Just That's those cool. are things I'm never gonna get nice. rid of. But HD DVD actually was a better format than Blu-ray. It's the beta of it is. Yeah, yeah it, it it was actually a better format. and really really clean picture. It loaded a lot faster um, than Blu-rays. I mean, luckily Blu-ray players have gotten fast enough that yeah. those load pretty fast now. Um, but yeah, I still have it. Still works. Yeah, I think the problem for me, the why I have so many, I agree with Victor's ideal of like the definitive edition. One of the big things is because I've owned so many though, is I know features are not ported over. Yeah, and I there's some I actually do really want. Like well, Phantasm is a big one. I will always keep the original MGM DVD because it has features that were not in any of the other releases ever. Um, I wish I still had my original Laserdisc. I sold my Laserdisc way back in the 90s um, because I never actually got a player. I bought Laserdisc because it's like, oh, I'll eventually have a player. Right. I never bought one. Now I have one, and I'm like, oh, I really wish I had the Elite, The one of the ones I wish I had. It was on the VHS, too, the double disc was the Nightmare on Elm Street. That Those special features, uh, a couple of them have never been poured over to any other medium they were only on those releases wow. and um the original elite laserdisc of texas chainsaw was the uh pioneer special edition uh, for dvd and then it became the two disc dark sky was them working from those materials and i mean that's obviously uh, since texas chainsaw is my second favorite film of all time i have a ton of editions of it but i'm glad for and speaking of pointless collectibles just a really quick aside I dropped the most money I've ever dropped on a record in my life oh. because I bought the blood-filled Texas Chainsaw Massacre soundtrack oh. because I missed the Friday the 13th one and I missed the um, Aliens one that Mondo did. Right. And I actually paid almost half of what they did for those for mine and it looks 10 times cooler so just take pictures of it now before it dries up yeah i was gonna say i hear it dries up so yeah i'm hoping uh, even if it did i really bought it obviously because i bought the regular um vinyl obviously it's actually the documentary the shocking truth documentary that was put on vhs and then it's the um uh, thing, but I bought more just because it looks so amazing. It's like it's it is one of those truly like useless things in a way, but I I had to have it. Like it's one of the few times well, I didn't have to, but it was cool <laughs> enough. Yeah, yeah, you, you had, to. you had. Yeah. To. Well, that's the thing. It's like it's not like you actually you know have to have anything. Well, no, we don't. <laughs> and, and, but I do need seven editions of at least <laughs> yeah. one film, but, but please. Don't you? I mean, I mean, I know. I mean, I do, mean, do we pretend? I mean, I think we might say that it's it's an option, but I don't know if it really is an well, option. Well, you know, that's one of those things too. As we talk about like the difference in like, oh, this version looks so much clearer and everything. 
I think people of a certain age are going to be able to tell the difference between like, oh, this looks so much better in this format and this format and this format. Right. But to a certain degree, it's like to me, like it's almost a thing where I see people going, oh, I can only watch this movie in 35 millimeter. I could never watch it digital. And to me, who's like, you know, at this point, I've watched, I mean, I watched hundreds and maybe thousands of movies in 35 millimeter. I mean, I've, I've probably told this story before. I like, there's only X amount of 35 millimeter copies of, uh, Baba's Demons out in the world. So there was a point where, like, I was actually asked to consult on a 35 millimeter sale of a print to Quentin Tarantino so he could distinguish which version of on 35 he was buying. Uh huh. Because I'd seen both of these different prints. Right. You know? But then I think about, like, oh, well, you know, versus, like, how last week I was talking about, like, oh, if you see, like, a movie shot in black and white in 35, that's, like, a million times better than having seen it shot on 4K digital. Yeah. You know, it just comes down to the feel of things and how well the film was preserved or and how well that was ported over to, like, that format, you know? Yeah. You know, because there's so many different processes for doing that stuff, like telesync and all that. Yeah, so like definitely, yeah. And like, I mean, I felt that when I went to go see, um, and I, I, uh, I mean, I really didn't understand it, but it was uh, when I saw Tron, um, in seventy millimeter. Yeah, and I was just, like blown away, and not just by the visuals, but the sound. You know, that was like the thing that really caught me as yeah. well. My uh, buddy and one of my best friends growing up, he uh, lives out in uh, San Pedro, and. Uh, Victor's met him a few times, and he's like an AV expert. I mean, he's been in film his whole life and was a projectionist and all these things. And he's one of those guys who showed me the um, Alien. The um, They designed a sound system just for Alien on its original theatrical release. And he has the, I think it's like a Japanese laser disc. And he recalibrated his sound system to replicate that as close as possible. Right. And the difference in the score and the sound is unbelievable. Like, it's one of the few times I've been like, okay, yeah, I can, cause I'm not very tuned into that. But mm-hmm. like you were, that's what kickstarting when you said the thing about Tron. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh shit, there really is a massive difference. Well, yeah, this. a lot of this comes to, cause I've had people, oh, why don't, why don't they do movies in THX anymore? And I'm like, they do do movies in THX. You just have to have a THX certified auditorium to have that play beforehand. Right. And they don't really, ha- they don't have any of those in Arizona. You can go to the THX website. It'll tell you every auditorium in the United States that is THX certified. Yeah. But in Arizona, almost all the theaters are like what Harkins and all of those choose to run Dolby Atmos. Yeah. Which I like Dolby I Atmos. I like Dolby Atmos. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. I would much rather go see a movie in Dolby Atmos than like go see it like I forget what the draft house and AMC use, but it's nowhere near as good. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know. So that's an that's one of the big check marks for like uh, Harkins has Dolby Atmos. Hey, I remember DTS. No, man. AMC has uh, di- uh, IMAX digital sound. Right. That's right. what they have. Remember, remember that Jurassic Park. Yeah, and Dr- yeah. that's yeah. what I was just gonna say. Jurassic <laughs> Park. The first time Jurassic Park was a that I will say two experiences in terms of deafening uh-huh. content the, the screeching? was Jurassic Park and seeing the very first IMAX film I ever saw was Independence Day, mm. and it was fucking like eardrum shattering how loud it was yeah. like oh dude i mean it just shook you that was like probably my first 4d experience and then when i went to finally do one of those d box ones 
Um, it's like this is dog shit. Like the so D is lame. for dog shit. But it I, it wasn't my I it's my money. It was my brother was treating my father and I, and I was like, yeah, I'll go see it. We went and saw um, Desolation of Smog. Okay, because my father yeah. wanted to see it, and we went and saw that. Was and, that in L.A.? No, it was actually at um the what do you call it? The one out um. um the Ultra Star out of Maricopa next oh, to the oh, casino or in the now? casino. Yeah, That's has awesome. it. Well, we had the Ultra Star here on Indian Bend. That's closed now, right. but they had it. But we went out there. It was, you know, whatever that was a few years back. And I mean, it, it was one of those things where I'm like, who cares? Like, this is just stupid. But me and a buddy did a road trip out to the Chinese theater once to uh, see. Um, uh, well, it was a double thing because they were doing the the director's cut of uh, Watchmen mm-hmm. on the big screen um, for like one weekend only, mm-hmm. and then they were also showing Harry Potter Part Six in D box, and we were like, "Oh, we'll check out D box," and it was just like such a joke, man. Like the the Watchmen thing was cool, you know, it was cool seeing that didn't yeah. tickle your wand screen. right the way you expected. <laughs> well, it's just so funny because that that's like of all the Harry Potter movies, Part Six is the one with like the least action. True, right? you know, it's like it's like a really kind of you know sleepy kind of a film and very contemplative. And it was like of all the movies to see in D boxes, yeah, it's, it's like funny though when you talk about like nostalgia as we kind of started knock this stuff off and you know before i did like cult classics like i would be like one of those people who would travel around to like different screenings yeah. and stuff like i mean i've i like drove to la like these are a couple of field trips i I, t- I drove to la once to see big trouble in little china in 35 millimeter yeah and there was a Chinese restaurant across the street, so I bought Chinese food and ate Chinese food while watching. Oh, that's Trouble awesome. In China. That's awesome. We do have to actually talk about this because this is something super cool. So we just uh, – you guys just did the, uh, the the screening of Grindhouse, right? Yeah. And so I got nachos. Yeah. And I had nachos. Um, and it was funny. I was there with Alex, and she said – she's like, that's funny. Like, you know, whenever I watch uh, Death Proof, I try to have nachos mm-hmm. at the same time. And we were talking about like, oh, we could totally do like a pairing, like a Quentin Tarantino pairing. You could watch The Hateful Eight and have uh, Beef Stew. Um, you could watch uh, Glorious Bastards and have Strudel. Mm-hmm. Um, you could watch Pulp Fiction and have like, you know, Shakes and a Burger. Uh, you know, yeah, like, there's and, a lot of that kind of stuff. It's 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 cool how, but that's I mean that's the that's true that's the, the true 4K I was experience really <laughs> would 5K. end up happening when the Alamo Drafthouse chain came to Arizona because right. I know like in Austin they do like a thing where you can watch all of the Lord of the Rings movies and you can have like a the all the whole feast oh, like God, while you're see, watching that'd be it. Amazing. Yeah, I like I don't expect that to happen. I mean, I'm not dogging them. I mean, mm-hmm. they're just it's a franchise here and it's different. Yeah, owners. yeah. Well, they did serve cherry pie when they showed um, you know, Fire Walk with yeah. me, Twin Peaks. Um, but I mean, even though cherry pie is not really eaten in Fire Walk with me, but right. you know, I think that would be amazing is to have a hateful eight screening and then like at the moment where they serve the beef stew, they serve beef stew. Exactly. You know, like... I remember... Yeah, I remember when I went to Fantastic Fest at the Alamo Lamar, they would do stuff like that. Right. Like, um, I remember I went to, like, they, uh, Darren Lynn Bousman's Mother's Day had a screening there, and it was, like, an early cut that was, like, three and a half, half hours, hours long. long. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they they gave you Mother's Day cookies at the beginning of this like the screening. I mean, I like that kind of stuff. I thought was cool, and that's 
that kind of stuff influenced like some of the stuff we do at cult classics but like you know it's funny you mentioned the nachos because we were having a whole conversation about that nacho scene uh-huh like how weirdly kurt russell eats the nachos in that movie oh yeah i mean i definitely think it's it's designed oh to yeah be... so you know that he's off that's yeah. like the whole yeah. like me adam and ann were talking about it like i who would eat their nachos like that and you like, well, I always eat my nachos with my hand. But you don't pick up the cheese yeah. with your hand. Right, It's right. like, do you want, like, sour cream and beans all yeah, over yeah, your yeah. fingers? Yeah. Godless savage. But, like, like, at the same time, it those nachos look delicious. So it's like you feel this kind of, like, this just double feeling of, like, being disgusted. Yeah. But also, like, nachos. Right. You know? Because it's like the nachos look good, but the way he's eating them like an animal is disgusting. And the way yeah. he's slurping and everything. But, yeah, I just think it's another reason that Death Proof is a fantastic freaking movie. It is. That it does not get to – I mean, it's starting, I think, to get the respect yeah. it deserves. And I think that it was even obvious in watching it um, on the big screen there how it was like – I think that time has proven out that Planet Terra, okay, fine, whatever. But that yeah. movie did not age that well. Death Proof has gotten better. Well, no, Planet Terror is the appetizer. Death Proof is right. the main course. Right. Not to keep on with the food analogies, <laughs> no, well, but it it's... just is. It, it really is. It's it's a but that's I mean I really do mean that the whole joke like the five K experience though. But I do think you know when you talk about with people you know why they buy so many movies kind of getting to that topic and all that. I think a big part of it is is that there's the constant desire and it ties into the whole nostalgia thing. Like, oh, I want to watch it on VHS because that's the way I remember it. And there's some people go, I love this movie so much. I want to see it. If I saw in 70 millimeter, of which people who are lucky to have seen films in that, you know, I I think it's different. Or if they saw an IMAX, you know, Mm -hmm. they have a sound system and a television. Now that so many people have projectors, too. And the wall space or the outdoor Mm -hmm. space, they have an outdoor screen uh, like our, our former colleague Adam does. You know, there's real opportunities and stuff. I mean, people are getting to the point. I mean, there used to be jokes like, uh, I remember on the Simpsons one, like Mr. Burns has the 100-inch TV. There really is a 100-inch TV, you know, that you can buy. But I just think that people have reached that point. They're like, how do I get the theater experience? And it kind of goes back to what Josh was saying about, like, the line psychology thing. Mm -hmm. It's that people want a communal experience. That's why we do what we do. It's that full combination they're always trying to put it all together yeah and i think cult classics delivers that i mean and again i'm i'm speaking you know as a member of cult following um i am uh you know certainly a member here but as a as cult classics i i am an outsider as far as cult classics and that's how i like it i like to go and get excited and see the previews Mm -hmm. and not know you know what's going to be next month and all that stuff and so this is not a matter of self-promotion by saying this about yeah. cult classics, but I truly do feel, and again, I've said it offline before, but in terms of what you're talking about, Kirby, which is that nostalgia recapturing that experience, I don't know if there's any K um, a DVD that's going to be able to recapture exactly. that. A lot of it is just like chasing after it. Yeah. Like That's where I was going, like. You know, I've like I drove out to L.A. to watch Big. Tr- I then I drove out to Tucson another time to see it in thirty-five. Right. I drove out to L.A. one time to go see a double feature of uh, Haosu and Goke Body Snatcher from Hell oh, at the Egyptian awesome. Theater, Dude. and the programmer had a meltdown right before the movie started, talking about how 
repertory film was dead and the only thing that was left were hipsters propping up its corpse <laughs> and like literally they kind of ushered him really? out of the state oh yeah like he it was his last screening it like, sounds like that was worth the trip alone oh yeah it was like really one of the weird things but wow. it's like at the same time that's like that you know i've heard i i you know like i've heard that kind of thing and it's like as so many of these like dine-in theaters kind of pop up and like right you know it makes me wonder there might be some truth to that like at the same time like um like the draft house is doing like a 4k screening of mulholland drive tonight right and i think well i know a big part of like mulholland drive is when they digitally like obscured um what's her laura elena uh-huh. herring sure genitals during that movie and right. added extra shadows through a lot of that stuff to kind of like get it to get an r rating right a real 4k restoration would have to get rid of all that shit yeah. somehow i doubt that's actually there sure i'm not being a mr skin here i'm being like i remember this being a big deal when the movie right came out, right you know oh, like man. Especially with some movies like um, Eyes Wide Shut, where they added extra hooded figures during the orgy scenes. Oh, I remember that because the, the, on um, so it's really interesting actually that the uh, the DVD version of that, and I think even the HD DVD version is the one that actually still has the CGI like obviously cgi people obscuring things on there um and uh and i definitely uh i, I know the blu-ray does not um because i picked up the blu-ray um so uh so yeah definitely is uh that that was something i feel is like oh my gosh and stanley kubrick of all people to put cgi people in there like he was just rolling in his yeah grave. and that's like one of those things where like uh the other posthumous well I mean, they say they didn't fuck with Eyes Wide Shut, but clearly that's an example right. where they did. And then, like, AI, which they try to say was a Spielberg, Kubrick. AI is not a Kubrick movie. No. And no. it's just like... You the... can feel every once in a while, like, a wave of what maybe was a Kubrickian idea in there, and then it just goes away. You know? Yeah. I think I'd like to hear Spielberg talk about that movie one day and just right. be like, yeah, I fucked with that too much. Yeah. On the on that commentary, we're all dying to hear. But um, no, and I, I was going to actually say that about, I think, the other part, portion of the experience of, or why people buy editions and all that, like you're talking about the nostalgia thing, I think it's the other thing is, is that, especially with lesser known or truly cult titles, which obviously are, it's amazing how many are still being found and unearthed and all that, but I think a big part of it is, is that when you're the only person who's excited about the movie and you see all these featurettes and commentaries and realize that there is like a whole community out there. Yeah. I think that that's a, maybe an endear, probably one of the most endearing and genuine parts of like true cinephile culture. Um, especially, and I really want to say this too. I think especially with lower brow stuff or, or things that or things that are just underappreciated or unknown or whatever is, is that people, you know, okay, what is, like, we had this when we were talking about our, you know, what's the best film of all time? Like an AFI kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, are, how many, patient, how many, exactly, exactly. Yeah. 
Well, no, I mean, how many people really your favorite movie is Citizen Kane? I, I would, I would genuinely oh, ask yeah, people we've that. We've talked about that. I, yeah, exactly. Before. But Here's I mean, what I think, think that, that's what I mean. About yeah. Citizen Kane, though, is that like because that movie had been talked about as the best movie ever made for such a long time, like I was like, yeah, right, sure it is, whatever. And then like finally watched Citizen Kane, I was like, this movie is fucking incredible. Like it is a genuinely tremendous film, and especially if you look at when it was made and, yeah. and what things he was basically creating as as you know a film, and then all of the things he had to do to get that movie made and everything. So I think that with Citizen Kane, maybe is almost a bad example, just because that is a truly, truly remarkable. Oh film. no, 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 I don't mean it like that. I mean it like, is it your actual favorite film? Yeah. That's where I'm getting at the, the crux of it. Not well, I mean say. that just comes to like like they had that list come out the best movies of right. like the 20th century yeah and they were saying Mulholland Drive is the best movie the come on come I on I love hey 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 I love Mulholland no, no, Drive no, no, like, no, no, I, I think it's probably I don't mean to get down movie. on that yeah. but I they had one too where it's like the audience pick and Shawshank Redemption one and it's like yeah, that do you know totally what I mean makes sense. like it makes yeah. sense it's like what do people really feel in movies and obviously people are going to say like why is Jaws the first modern blockbuster it's a movie about a killer yeah. shark and it's because Steven Spielberg made not just a film, but a phenomenon. I think Jaws is the only right answer there, by the way. I mean, for somebody, if we're going to take the intersection between movies that would be rated as the best films of all time and people's favorite movies of all time, I think Jaws is probably the most acceptable answer. And I do think that that is the reason, though, like Criterion Collection, people are like, why the hell are you releasing The Rock or Armageddon? It's because they do have a significant value, whatever way you want to look at it. Oh, yeah. It might not be the same value that people hold. Well, and they're auteur-driven. Yeah. That's like, whether you hate it or not, I mean, like, me and Josh were talking about this, you know, before the movie started, like, how forgettable I think Michael Bay movies are. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's the standard shots in maudlin pop music you'll get in every one of them, but you know a fucking Michael Bay movie the same way you know a Tim Burton movie. Yeah, but also I will say that that used to mean something. I mean, Michael Bay... You know, I mean, look, I, I'm not a huge fan of Armageddon, but I freaking will go to my dying day for The Rock. That movie oh, is no incredible. Doubt. And and I can remember all the parts in The Rock right now. I can close my eyes and I can think of scene by scene what happens in the no, damn No, that movie has a, a very long uh, shelf. Like, I know people, you know, there's the people who believe all this, all the James Bond movies are just tied in continuity and James Bond is just a code name. Right. I know people who think, the Rock is a James Bond movie. That like Whoa. that that's that Sean Connery is playing James Bond, and the the character's name in that movie is J- that James Bond's <laughs> real name. That's that's a fascinating theory. And, like I read theory. this, I read an article <laughs> about it too. Like I I think it was in a Blender one. It's like mm-hmm. you know I can see that act, you know it's done in a way that it works. Mm-hmm. I can sure. believe it. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. No, I think that's a great. And that's another, like I said, bringing it together with like the whole um, the fandom of things is just that you know movies can have that effect. Obviously, you do get into some pretty out there and crazy theories, but also ones where it's like the merit of a film too is based. I mean, it's just like why do people go? Why is pop music popular? And I said, well, it's pop music. You go, I think stuff does not that doesn't age well. You know, we talked with some about that or things that don't hold up. Yeah, they do fade away. But I also think. You have to realize some of the people, people go like, well, this is the best song. Like, I mean, I think a lot of people, a good chunk of the populace considers the Beatles to be the best band. I'm like, the Beatles wrote mainly pop songs yeah. of differing varieties, but all pop music in the end. And 
I think that, you know, it's like they're held up as some of the greatest songwriters of all time. And, you know, it, it's up for debate, obviously, as much as anything else. But I do think it's such a part of the psyche. And I think that's the way film works is when it, like a Jaws. That's why I bring it up. It's yeah. like how much of a mark did it make? People are always going to go back to something like it's not bringing up Citizen Kane because I think Citizen Kane is an amazing film. It's just that there's a difference. They talk about like the Library of Congress. Like this is a film that we are going to preserve because it has such an impact or has such power. And some of those are lesser known films. Not all of them are uh, of the largest variety. And I think that um, what you do have now besides those discoveries is you also have the ability of which people can say, um, I guess it's one of the most democratic things that I love is, is that people now have so much more of a voice to say, um, you know, fuck you pretty much to the, yeah. to the system that goes, no, this is what you should hold as the standard. Yeah. And it's not the democratization of, you know, just opinions and media and everything I think is, is it actually a good thing? It's got its a downsides. hugely great thing. Yeah, of yeah. course it does. It has its downside, well, yeah. but I all mean, of democracy has its downside about like is, uh, you know, ultimately subjective. I mean, you know how we choose to uh, enjoy our entertainment and what media at all, you know, it's all subjective to our own experience and our own biases growing up, whether it's like, you know, I grew up enjoying this kind of movie. That's why I have toys and soundtracks of it. Yeah. That's why I go to this theater to watch it in a certain way and have my home system set up so I can enjoy it in the way that I enjoy it. Because yeah. that's how nostalgia affects your well, and, everyday and, life. And let's be honest. I mean, I think that the the reason that people go to Disneyland is because they went there as kids. And the reason yeah. that people go to SDCC and wait in line all day long is because they want to have that kind of experience yeah. that they are going to remember. They And, and that maybe they, they imagine in their heads always existed. And again, I think it, it goes back to that thing that that pictures of people waiting in line outside the Chinese theater yeah. for Star Wars in 1977 and i think that every geek that is of the age that around that, that we are um we all kind of we missed out on that we want that and we're chasing that constantly yep i think that's a good point right there yeah i mean definitely it's one of those things where it's the eternal I mean, I think it's more than just it's uh, melding the two, too, is another big part. I think mm -hmm. it's when people say, I've integrated this into my adult identity. Right. But I also want to preserve that um, youthful spirit and the, the desire. I mean, really, in the end, it just comes down to imagination. It's that's yeah. why people love so many of these forms of entertainment. Yeah. And it's, no. it's awesome. And, I mean, as we've been talking, uh, like, uh, they officially announced, like, the second location of the draft house in Tempe, which, I mean, we've all known for. Oh, long. did they? Yeah. It, at, uh, so we got hot breaking news. Yes. Hey, everybody. It's, it's that that will be a little old by the time you hear this, but hot breaking news. Yeah. So, but, but do they have beef stew? No. <laughs> well, they probably will. Maybe they'll do a, uh, hateful eight okay. beef so so where is this one party. even further away or no is... this one is in tempe on uh on baseline and longmore where's longmore um it's kind like, of by um uh it's by rural rural and baseline okay yeah okay that's so not, it's not as bad yeah. so kind of like by arizona mills no it's kind of it's not by, that far uh, from pollock pollock yeah I was gonna okay say. yeah okay well because baseline's a lot more north yeah right so well it's right off the freeway so you'd be uh and longmore is right next to uh between dobson and uh, uh okay 
Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So that. So so that. Hey, that's better. That's better. Mm-hmm. I'll take it. Well, because yeah, the Chandler one is basically in Queen Creek. But I mean it's that so that's far, a chain guys. that like jo- Joshua is a true journeyman for his films. <laughs> yeah. <too. laughs> yeah. That that's a chain that thrives off of the whole nostalgia thing. Yeah. 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 About, yeah. You yeah know? For sure. So. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I think that is our first breaking news story we've ever had. <laughs> hey, hot that's a good. Presents. That's a good way to go out. Yeah, that's a. That I, I, can we call that an exclusive? Not really. No. no. Well, Dang it. Facebook beat us to it. Facebook it. beats us to it. They took our exclusive. <sighs> but yeah, that was our uh, discussion on nostalgia. Not as much specific movie chatter, but I yeah. Think, uh, hey, I liked it. And, and and again, we started this thing by saying we don't know where we're going. Yeah, and now right. here we are at the end of our journey, and you, listener, are with us as well. There you go. True, true. We'll see, yeah. And hopefully, we've saved you some money. Yeah, <laughs> that's now I, you I, are one of the last of us. I, I think the exact opposite. <laughs> I think that that if and if, if everyone's like me, they're listening to this, like they're on the internet already ordering shit. That's true. <laughs> Boom. Very true. All right. So until next time, I am Victor Marino along with Kirby and Joshua. I'm going to eat some nachos and go spend some money. There you go. So until next time, that's Hail Goes Till Monday. <laughs>